Mike, I played a little drinking game with myself tonight while watching Fighter Fest. I drank every time Chris Jericho said, Happy Canada Day. And now I am very drunk. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Well, fuck. This and other drinking games coming up on the Misspots podcast. Time to play the game. <laughs> Time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Night one, or week one, they're, they're calling this weeks, uh, week one of Fighter Fest 2020 in the books. They First thing, AEW, they have a, a billionaire owner, or at least a son of a billionaire owner, or a billionaire, a billionaire son, owner, whatever. Uh, first thing you do, find someone who can spell. Because that's not how you spell fighter. You do know what they were going after, right? I did not know until my wife told me today. And I still don't care. It's pretty (laughs) dumb. Uh, But yeah, this was uh, interesting. You know, this is one of those episodes of AEW that is more than that. It's not a pay-per-view. It's a special event. It's like the Bash of the Beach. And I really do like these. I think this is a, it's an interesting way to pre- present your weekly television as being special without having to do some of the super special things that you would, you would normally do. It's, it's a way to do... It's almost a better version of the old in-your-house pay-per-views that yeah. uh, WWF used to put on because you don't have to pay for them. But it allows you to not put the biggest feuds on them, but make it special. It's on free TV, and uh, I, I think it's a, I, I like it. And I like the fact they're doing this over two weeks. It's, I haven't seen this before. I, I like it. I know they did this last year. Yeah, but it was just a some one way, day pay per view. I mean, it was actual. Yeah. Well, it was actually free then too. Uh, right. As well. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, it was before the launch of Dynamite. Uh, so sure. it was, it was before we had really started watching the product at that point in time. Um, some, some news, uh, dropped earlier in the day in that the, uh, John Moxley, Brian Cage match was being moved back an additional two weeks, well, two weeks from an additional visit, week, an additional week, uh, to another free themed uh, episode of Dynamite, uh, fight, fight for the fallen. Is that That's that sound. Called? That sounds right. It sounds uh, correct. Yeah, fight for the fallen. Um, this is obviously uh, because of John Moxley's wife, Renee Young, testing positive for COVID, and uh, just being on the safe side. Uh, apparently, he has himself tested negative, but he's. Being a responsible human being. 
Uh, well, th- I mean, this is the right move, in my opinion. And yeah. also, I one of the things, and I, I, I am ragging on AEW more and more as the weeks go by because some of the sloppy things that I kind of gave them a pass on early on are now starting to grate on me and drive me insane, slowly but surely, hence the drinking. But they do continue to mention COVID, use these for storylines and context, act as if we're living in a real world and not an artificial universe. And when you have this match being postponed, you've got Taz going out there cutting a promo on him and using this for storyline, using this to to say that Moxie's scared of Cage. And it works. If you're going to be... If you're going to have this stuff dropped in your lap, don't just bait and switch. Don't just say it's going to be this now and pretend it was always this. I feel like the WWE is like the Trump administration. Like at when they promote something and then they change it, they just pretend that it was always that way. It's Orwellian. Yeah. Whereas AEW is like, no, we have to postpone this match. So this is why we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And they use Taz to come out there and get some more heat and, and put over cage and run down Moxley and also take a nice little shot at WWE at the same time. Yeah. This all worked. I, I thought this is, this is what a nimble and, thoughtful wrestling promotion should do they should use what's coming at them and use it to better their product it's kind of funny to me that i i really like taz in this role uh because i feel like uh, he was a commentator for more than he was a wrestler with my like from the time that i was watching uh so i just got so used to taz the commentator that i forgot that Taz the wrestler, when he started talking and not just having Bill Alfonso be his his mouthpiece in ECW, he can cut a promo, like, and his promos are real. Yeah, he does. He's not super smooth. He does trip a little bit over his words here or there, but they sound gen- like genuine yeah. words coming from a genuine person, and it, it resonates every time he does it. It resonates as something. And when he cuts to the bone a little bit about Moxley, it it it, it feels like he's cutting to the bone. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he's going out there and reading a, a robotic promo that was rehearsed so much that the words had no meaning. And yes, all the words got out perfectly and perfectly paced, but it wasn't. But it, it didn't sound like it was being said by a robot. So yeah, I thought this was a nice little piece of business to do on this show. Yeah. Now we got three title matches on this card and because of them losing the world title match for next week's uh second week they made a another tag team title match so uh private party who beat the inner circle were going to uh were announced to be taking on the winners of the tag team title match who ended up being page and omega uh, I understand why they did this, but I, I don't think this was necessary. I, I, it feels that feels a little that does. It doesn't feel it is completely thrown together. And I feel like Paige and Omega have to continue their momentum and have to continue winning and private parties should get some momentum off of this. So just to have them come and I think lose next week, I think is probably not the, the greatest choice. I, I think that the tag team division is in complete chaos right now because Paige and Omega. I mean, let's just talk about this match. This was the main event. What, you want to talk about it first? Sure. So what did you think about the match? I, I really enjoyed it. 
I'm the complete opposite. This really? is my least favorite Page Omega tag team match. I found it was super choppy. I at one point near the end of the match, you had Omega in the in the ring for 40, 45 seconds after a tag with Aubrey Edwards not trying to get him out. Not, I mean, with Jim Ross just just flashing a blinking light on how idiotic this was the entire time. He mentioned it three times during the time it was in. And then just to put, you know, a cherry on top, we then had the traditional AEW schmas where all the members of the teams are in for the in for another minute doing a bunch of shit that just makes it look like chaos and also shows me that no one cares about how to book a tag team match that makes any goddamn sense. So I thought this was choppy at best. I, I didn't enjoy it. And while I still like Paige and Omega as a tag team, I, I still think they're they're I, I still want to see the few that they set up down the road. I uh, yeah, I was uh, I was not impressed. And then the end of it with FTR coming out and offering them beers, FTR cut a promo the first week and second week, basically saying, "Screw all these guys. None of yeah. them know. None of them are tag team wrestlers. None of them use the freaking tag ropes. None of them follow the fucking rules." Which this exact match is none of them following the rules. This wasn't a good tag match, in my opinion. This isn't wasn't an FTR tag match, and they come out and offer them beers. I don't want them to be friends with the Bucks. They're supposed to hate the Bucks. That was the whole point of them cutting that first promo and cutting them down, cutting down the entire AEW tag division. Now they're forming these tacit partnerships. I, with FTR offering them a beer, and now Omega turned the beer down, and now I'm mad at you. That just seems completely disingenuous. I want FTR to come out, smack people in the mouth, be badasses, win a bunch of matches, and then take on Omega and Paige and win the titles. And then split off the Omega and Page feud from that. That that all makes sense to me. But it this is the schmas of the tag division as it is right now. And now I'll shut up and let you talk. I I completely get what you're what you're talking about. I I I looked past some of those those issues because uh, apparently to me they weren't as glaring to me as they were to you. Um, these are two tag teams that I really like and. I, it did fall apart and you get all of that, the the shenanigans with everyone being in the ring and everything breaking down. Every tag match has that breakdown in it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I thought that the action was good. Um, and there were some, some good spots in there that I enjoyed. Um, so maybe I, I, I'm a little biased in this, uh, on my enjoyment, but I, I, I mean, but I enjoyed it. That's, I think overall mm-hmm. what, what I thought about it. Now you, you mentioning with the rules, the tag match before that, the private party inner circle match, the referee actually caught a dumb, uh, rule break and didn't let it go. When Ortiz got into the ring before being tagged in, and they did the whole tag while he's already in the ring. And Paul Turner was like, no, <laughs> like you're, you're not on the outside of the ring and still kept Santana as the legal man. That's how it should be. The referee should have some authority in there. They should, they should absolutely. And let the heels do that. 
Let that be part of the match and part of the flow. To me, this put a, a blinking light on the fact that they're not thinking about how to do this competently. They're thinking about how to do a bunch of shit. Because Omega and Hangman, during that one spot where they were in the ring together for 40 seconds, they could have tagged in and out three times. Yeah. And it would have been cool. It would have been good tag wrestling. And Jim Ross and Shivani could have said, man, these guys are such on the same page. Look how amazing it is that they're on this page after being uh, at odds for so long. And it would have taken an extra second or two to put that together. But they say, well, fuck it. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. The rules don't matter. Aubrey Edwards doesn't matter. And because no one cares, all they care is to do flips and a bunch of stuff and a bunch of people in the ring all together. That's all they care. They care about high spots. They don't care about putting together a good story and actually when putting together a good wrestling match. So th- that's what drives, drives me crazy on that. Honestly, I thought the Santana Ortiz and private party match was way better than that match. And yes, there were the obligatory flip after flip after flip and dives of the outside. But I actually thought that those all made a lot more sense than everything that was happening in the main event. So I thought there was a lot of good stuff in the in the Santana and Ortiz uh, uh, versus Private Party match. I thought that was good. And I thought that there was some really good stuff in the MJF and Jungle Boy match. It was a lot. They did a lot more than they needed to do. There's a lot of the, like, no-selling in order to... That, that fighting spirit that went way overboard in that match. They, they did a lot. And they did more than they needed to, especially in the first match of the night. But maybe this is this is my blind spot. The spot where MJF goes to punch Luchasaurus, he moves, he holds up, and Luchasaurus kicks the arm. Yeah. And MJF hit him from the angle it was shot, from MJF's, MJF's, MJF's facial expressions, and the way he sold it, it was perfect. He held up at the right spot. He kicked it. The arm went straight forward. It looked like he actually connected. He made the, can you do anything right? Then hit him and then looked shocked. Like, I can't believe this just happened. MJF is amazing. He is a bright light in this entire thing because everything he does looks good. Everything he does looks believable. He sold in that one spot. He sold in that match a bunch of crap that I would normally not get behind, but he brought it all together and made the ending work. And I I just, I just love MJF (laughs) flat out. I thought that was amazing. I know it's a small thing, but that one spot just looks so good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. It was a unique spot. Uh, you, I mean, how many times do we see, a uh, guy hit their opponent or their partner because the opponent moves out of the way. Like many, 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 many. But to be able to create something unique with a tried and true spot like that is pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, and I- it's all, and it's all about how you sell it because there are a thousand guys that would have sold that like shit. Yeah, and he just didn't. He sold it like a million dollars. Uh, I thought that the Sheeta Ford match was pretty good. I there was a, a hard... lot of miss or not missed uh, a lot of uh, near falls. So 
yes, there was way too many finisher kickouts for someone that I don't find to be a credible opponent. Penelope Ford, to me, is is wasn't even a wrestler like three weeks ago. And I know that I've been longer than that, but but I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it just goes to show you the way I felt about it. I thought that the build up to the match was fine. This was a really solid to me. The women's division AEW kind of sucks. And it seemed like, okay, Penelope Ford, I haven't seen her do a lot of good things. Everything I feel like I've seen with Penelope Ford, I've seen in multi-person matches. I'd be interested to know if I'm correct. I do not remember seeing Penelope Ford in a singles match on AEW Dynamite at all. I, I, I'm, I'm probably wrong, but I, my, all, all my thoughts about probably. her and all the remembrance I have from her are in, in multi-person matches. So I, I do not find her to be a very credible opponent. She looks fine. She's doing some good things out there. But all the finisher kickouts and all that kind of stuff, to me, should be saved for, like, Nyla Rose and Cheetah. They should be saved for someone who's a really big threat and not someone who seems like the challenger of the week, which is how I feel about Penelope Ford. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of Sheeta in the first place. I think she's good, but not great. I don't think she's a great champion right now. And so I that was my issues with it. Yeah, the match was fine. I also, if you are in control of the crowd, you should walk out there with a megaphone, borrow Jimmy Hart's, he's down here in Florida, I'm sure, <laughs> and say, if I hear any of you chanting, this is awesome. I will kick you out of this fucking place because <laughs> it is a stupid chant. And if you're going to chant for something and you have the control over the audience, why don't you chant for Sheeta? Why don't you chant for the baby face? Why don't you try to actually get some some vibes that anyone that, that people care about the champion? I just I hated that. I just thought that was just so bush league, and uh, did not like that either. Kevin hates fun. Uh, no, I mean, listen, are we supposed to want to see a really, really great match? Are we supposed to want to see Sheeta get revenge on a heel? I, I want I want to see Sheeta get revenge on a heel. That's what yeah, I want. I, I get that. I, 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 Penelope Ford is not some great, amazing worker that we're like, oh, my God, she's going to put these two are going to put together a five star match. No, I, I wasn't expecting that. But I do think that this match allowed her to shine a bit more and uh, elevate her stock uh, in uh, professional wrestling and in AEW. Uh, because, yeah, I, I think a lot of us looked at her as a predominantly uh, a manager for a long period of time yeah. for for a mid carter. And now that she is getting more involved in actually wrestling in the women's division, we are getting to see here and there like, oh, she has some talent. And I think that sure. this was a bit of a coming out party for her in a loss. Uh, the the way of elevating her in a loss there. Yeah. It wasn't the best, like the you're, best you're build up. What? You're, you're not wrong. I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think she does look better in this loss as a competitor than she did before it. Uh, so yes. Am I, am I, yeah, whatever. I, I'm being a little, a little overcritical, but I tend to be that way when I, when there are these tropes that I just can't stand. 
when I when I see them because I think that they fall back on these way too often. It's just not necessary. A competent match where Penelope Ford looked good without five finisher kickouts and Cheetah going over would have been a great way to put her over strong, make Penelope Ford look like a bigger star, and continue down the road with your with your women's champion. And I'm going to take a guess as to your feelings on the Cody and Hager match. I'd love it. Bring it on. Uh, too much stuff that had no business being in the match. A hundred percent. Okay. What else? Like, like all of the, <laughs> everything involving Arn, uh, on the outside. And Dustin and, and, and Hager's wife, though I don't need to see ever again. I, I don't get it. This was a decent match. It was not a five-star classic barn burner, but it was a well-wrestled match. They went to the outside too much. Sure. Everything that had to do with the people on the outside, cut it all out, trim the fat, and go to the same finish. I love the finish. I really like yeah. the finish of that match. It was a great out for Hager, who has seriously never done anything impressive in the entire company, including his debut. He's not run rough shot through the entire company. He's not earned any of the platitudes that Jericho throws on him, but it still gives an out to the big guy. I don't know why he wrestled in his underwear. I, I don't <laughs> in your know. underwear apparently. In my under, I have that pair of underwear. You can buy them at Target, <laughs> just so you know. I don't know why he did that, but this was a good. I thought there were parts of this match that were really working. And I thought that the finish was really good. I just don't know why you needed the slap. I don't know why you needed Dustin to come out. I don't know why you need this. It seems like a crutch. Mm-hmm. I don't think it may I don't think it enhanced the match in any way. I think if anything, it brought it down a notch. Because if you pull that out and you just run the match without it, it just it flows better and everything everything resonates the same with the finish. It's not like anything that happened changed the finish either. No. I mean, the last person to put their hands on someone in the ring was Dustin, who then when they went into the finish, it was Hager Had that, a delivered, hold on. that delivered the slam that worked into the submission that Cody countered. Yeah. If it would have been the other way around with Cody taking the slap, then that would have made more sense. You know, it's just, it's like little things like that. Like nothing mattered. Nothing that happened from the outside mattered at all. So just get rid of it. Also, I hate, this had nothing to do with the match. This was the aftermath. Hager celebrating. Cody's music is blaring. Like. That did not bother. I thought about that, but. In the heat of the moment, you know, uh, you know, you're dialed into this, and you're not necessarily listening to the house music. The house music also, for what we know, is pumped through the TV. We've been to live events now. Yes, live events with twenty five thousand people in them are much louder than live events with four. But I, 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 I was okay with it. I, I thought that that was one of my my the least nitpicky things I would have had okay. uh, when it came to this. But I, I wanted to like it, and I liked large parts of it. But it just continues my theory. Cut 5 to 10% out of every single Cody match, and all of a sudden, he's my favorite wrestler in the world. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So 
if Cody Rhodes wants to be my favorite wrestler in the world, that's all he's got to do. So balls in your court, uh, Cody. Do you do you want to be some random nobody's favorite wrestler? I think you do. <laughs> and that's that's quite a uh, an honor. Uh, he might he might want that. I, I'm sure he does. I mean, the only thing that other thing that happened on this is Darby Allen sent in a video and continues to do skateboard tricks. Now, is it still nineteen KY video? I I I don't know what he's doing. Is it still 1987? Can you answer that question for me? My computer says no, but okay. I I don't know if I believe my computer. If it's not, then stop this because skateboards are not. I don't think. Maybe they are. I'm I'm nearly forty years old. I I don't know, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the demographic that they're trying to go for is honestly. Is it still us? Because that's like the 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 coveted spot that they keep trying to beat the WWE in. And if that's it, we haven't cared about skateboards since we were teenagers. I don't know why this is cool. Is he a wrestler or is he trying to go for his own Tony Hawk skateboarder video game franchise? Because over the last couple times I've seen him, that's what it appears he's trying to do. Uh, yeah, I, uh, but I think that that's just playing into his character a little bit. I mean, whether or not that appeals to us, that's for us to Complain make our about. own judgment about. Yeah. Um, maybe it appeals to some of the younger fans. Um, he, he's they they brought up before, like even before he he started bringing out the skateboard. They're like, oh, he's a he's a skateboarder. He falls down a lot. He feels no pain. Um, it was kind of the shtick in his his gimmick. I don't mind it. I think I actually think that they're kind of cool. Um, but, okay. but at the same time, like I can get what you mean. It's, it's, there was a certain time when skateboarding videos, like making your own DIY skateboard videos were like the cool thing. And there were like skateboard magazines and like the, the, the sponsors would put out videos, uh, that you, you, they would sell of like some of the best tricks and people playing pr- pranks and doing, uh, like, stunts like the guy who was set on fire in the video uh but i just feel like darby allen from the first time i saw him to till the the casino ladder match whatever i was really into darby allen i I feel like he has physical charisma he is a watchable professional wrestler he's an underdog he's someone that i want to root for and he was winning me over, and I kind of dug the little black and white vignettes that he would shoot. And I, I, I don't care about skateboards in any way, shape, or form. But having him skateboard down to the ring was like, okay, this will work. It's a small little part of his gimmick. It doesn't have to be a huge part of it. It's not like he's wearing like, you know, a freaking helmet and a bunch of like elbow pads or whatever <laughs> people wear, and. I was like, okay, this is working, and now I feel like this is reductive. It, it's just him doing these videos. How is this going to make me want to root for him more as a babyface? How does this make me feel like he's a more competent professional wrestler that's going to win more matches? And that's what I'm not getting out of this. 
Okay. And I think it's a shame because I like Darby Allen. Yeah. I think he has tons of potential to be a breakout star in the company. And it seems like this is not the way to go? Question mark? <laughs> or maybe it is because it's 1987 and we just don't know it yet. I wish it was 1987. That would mean it isn't 2020. And 2020 were, sucks. Or does that mean that 1987 sucks? Uh, no, that means that I'd be six. And I, I mean, listen, I'm, I like, I dig being an adult. So <laughs> I'll, I'll stick in 2020 with all its problems. So did you enjoy Fighter Fest Night One? I, I did. I, I think that the the matches they presented, I was interested in each one of them to different degrees. I I liked enough of this to say I enjoyed watching the show. Yeah. But I, I, I nitpicked a lot, I know, but I enjoyed the show. Yeah, I, I did as well. Um so we've we've also been trying to talk a little bit more about NXT on this show, but because of the format and they run head to head with AEW and where, how we record the show, we're kind of like a week behind. So we're not like really going to review NXT for right now, but more so talk about the things that are going on and what we like and what we think, uh, about them. So we're, we're discussing stuff that occurred on last week's NXT, where which was headlined by the triple threat match for the North American Championship, with the winner going on to face Adam Cole in a couple weeks in a winner take all title match. Uh, a, a few things of of note from from this show that I, I can think of. Oh, the first thing, uh, right off the bat, Karrion uh, Cross has my new favorite entrance. Okay, let's talk about Karrion Cross. So I am uh, my first question when I watched this was, "What does Mike think about Karrion Cross's entrance?" And <laughs> I did. I, I I I really liked part of like part of me loved it, and part of me was like, "Wow, this is a lot." Uh, including it's very long, like, and it's also Scarlet like lip syncing and like gallivanting around the ring as it's happening. It was a lot. It it really was a lot. I think there was some coolness to it, but the second that I saw him perform, very underwhelmed. Yeah, I, it, I, it, there's some, I, I hate to say generic uh, stuff to him. I, I guess I got to watch more of him to really see what the, the hype is all about. So a week or so ago, or it's now several weeks ago when people are listening to it, uh, the Bronson Reed cat, I said, I love the fact that he went out there, he won a match, he's a big, thick dude who's like a good version of Otis, and I like the fact that he put him over, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see this guy go get his ass kicked. I want to see him go up and stand up to this big, bad cat that I haven't seen wrestle yet, and... I think one of the problems was when you put Karrion Cross next to Bronson Reed and ask him to throw this guy around with power, it's hard to do that impressively because Karrion Cross is not that big. Karrion Cross is not a monster. He's a big guy. He's in great shape. And next to a lot of the NXT roster, he's a monster. But next to 
others, he looks like a normal-sized person. You know, and I think what impressive power moves he was trying to pull on Bronson Reed were were impressive because Bronson Reed is, I mean, if you told me he was 500 pounds, I would have believed you because the guy is, just, I mean, he, he is as dense, he looks like he's as dense as a dying star, <laughs> but it did, it did nothing for his presentation. I found his finisher to be woefully boring. Uh, he, it's a basically a sleeper hold, yeah. and uh, Samoa Joe is a looks like a killer, wrestles like a killer, and when he puts on his submission, it looks brutal and it works. Maybe this was just this match, and I'll give him a pass because I want to. I want to see more, like you said. But this was I was like yawn. This was not something that I would if I was if I didn't have the expectation of wanting to watch this person and hearing so much about him I would go oh well this guy's a bust because none of this worked for me during this match and and I was thinking I was thinking during this match I'm like you know Bray Wyatt as a fiend he comes off as a monster even though Bray's not the biggest guy in the world there's something about his presence his thickness as a person that makes him a monster. Obviously, the Braun Strowmans of the world are monstrous human beings. Karrion Cross just kind of looks like another really ripped guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're building him as a monster who's no-selling a shit ton. And I'm like, I don't know if I buy this. You know, it, to put a little comparison out there, this Dexter Loomis guy looks about the same size as him. He looks bigger. Yeah, maybe even a little bigger. Yeah. He's he physically looks bigger as far as his muscle mass and things. And he also looks taller. I don't know if he is. I don't want to get too much into that because yeah. I don't think you have to be a certain size and this, that, and the other. Correct. Yeah. But if you're going to push a dude as being a monster, and this is way I feel like they're pushing this person. He's the bringer of death and despair and all this kind of stuff. <sighs> The physical presence is important, and he looks like a a, a, a miniature, you know, Nathan Jones. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I, listen, I think the entrance is interesting. I think that there's definitely potential here. I will reserve my judgment and continue to watch and want to be more impressed. But I like when this match came on because I was watching this obviously not live. I put it on. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna strap in. I want to see this guy." And at the end, I went, "Huh." So that <laughs> happened. Yeah, That's, I I was kind of in the same boat too. When Bray Wyatt debuted, I expected nothing. I hated the Firefly Funhouse. I thought it was idiotic, and there was no way they could present this character as a believable professional wrestler. And I saw the first match and went. Oh, this is gonna work. Of course, they butchered that and ruined him, and he's now dead in the water. But the first time I saw him, I was blown away. This was not that. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Uh, what else I liked uh, from the show? The. Uh, go ahead. No, what did you think about the uh, triple threat? The uh, I was, versus Gargano. I thought it was a good match. Uh, I I don't think it was barn burner uh, or, or like takeover level like crazy. But you have three super talented dudes in there, 
and they put on a really good match. I think that Keith Lee winning is what I it's what I wanted to see. Uh, whether that's the right thing, it probably is because he's the only baby face and Adam Cole's a heel. And then you had two other heels. And, and by the way, I just said that the match was Cole Gargano and Lee when it was obviously Baller Gargano oh, yeah. and Lee. I didn't so even that's ca- catch you say that. Yeah, because obviously they're, they're going to fight uh, Cole, the winner. This was a really interesting dynamic because Keith Lee is, to if you put together Gargano and Baller, they equal Keith Lee as a mass <laughs> of humanity, right? So Keith Lee is the babyface underdog against two heels, which is the right dynamic for a triple threat match. But he's also the biggest cat in the world, and it looks like these two underdogs have to team up to beat up the babyface. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think they, I think they pulled it off. I actually think they pulled this off. I, I, I'm overly critical of triple threat matches. I, I think they happen way too often, and uh, usually it's just one person selling on the outside for a move that they would normally not sell for for long periods of time. I thought they did this pretty well. And Keith Lee winning, he's he's got a natural charisma. I love his facial expressions. Yeah. I, lo- I, I loved him in a sleeper. I love the spot where they kept trying to put the sleeper on him because he, 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 he expressed it on his face that he was experiencing distress. And it felt like, oh, I want that guy to get out of this thing. Keith Lee's got that in him. I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah. I think that that the match overall worked. It wasn't, as you said, a barn burner. It wasn't a match of the year category, uh, in the match of the year category kind of thing, but it was a very good main event and it continued a storyline that I want to follow. Yeah. And Keith Lee is just a a great point about his facial, uh, excuse me, movements. Like he sells so well in the face, uh, anything like he can sell like the pain, the despair, uh, but his, just his cockiness is I mean, comfortable, how comfortable he is, how confident he is, like all those little things that he can do with just his, his, uh, his face. It's, you know, this is a strange thing, and I don't know if you'll get the, the, the parallel, but Hulk Hogan was the biggest guy in a lot of the fights that he was in. Now, yes, he fought. They, they brought in the Monster of the Week, the King Kong Bundys, the Earthquakes, things of that nature. But Hulk Hogan was still, what, six seven, and yeah. just built like, you. I mean, just insane. But when Hogan sold... He was, I mean, for the most part, wrestled no good wrestling matches, right? If you're talking about technical wrestling. But when he was being beaten down, his face just showed anguish. And his body language showed anguish. And you just wanted to get behind Hulk Hogan. You wanted to will him to win the match. And when I was watching Keith Lee, I'm like, I I see some of that in there. There's anguish in his face. He's selling. He's selling a beating. He yeah. makes me feel like he's being hurt. He doesn't make me feel like this means nothing and I'm just going to go to the next spot. And all the sleeper stuff, which was repetitive and slow, went on to make me be more invested in the match when he won. Yeah. Take your time, people. It works. At least for me. You got one. You got one fan in that. 
What do you think of this uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, Aaliyah, and drunk guy? Uh, I, I like it. I, I think I feel like it's something that's been going on for a while, even though we haven't been watching up until the last week or so. I like the the competence of Rhea Ripley. I could not but help help but think, why did they take the title off of her and put it on Charlotte Flair? They it was Visa, but was that? A visa, her visa expired. But but they didn't have to take it off of her. Eh, or, that's true. Or if they took it off of her, they could have brought her back and let her drop it back to Rhea Ripley in a one-on-one match and make her. In fact, it would have been better if you let her drop the, char- the, the thing to Charlotte, let her prance around in NXT as a returning champion who's full of herself, and Rhea Ripley, you know, rebuilds and comes back and beats the shit out of Charlotte Flair, and you make a star because Rhea Ripley's a star. And... Doing it in a triple threat match with Io Shirai, I like Io Shirai, but she ain't Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley's got something special, and I, I just feel like it's it's a shame of what they did with that, and I think they butchered the hell out of it. She carried these segments. She looked good in it. Yes, there was some comedy, but it all worked in the matches, and I'm, I'm excited to see more Rhea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems like sometimes NXT is too quick to just put the their titles on the next person like i think this is all this is all main roster stuff man i mean when they put the title on charlotte i don't think that was whoever's booking nxt that was the wwe going we've got a we want we want charlotte to go down and be representing nxt to try to win the ratings battle I get that, uh, but uh, what I'm saying is we don't see very many multi-time champions in NXT because it seems like they just, a lot of the times in the past, it was because the person moves up to the main roster, but there's instances where they, they haven't, and they just move on to a next person. Like, uh, it's it's weird, like, because... And they felt like, oh, it's EO's time to be champion, where mm, Rhea probably still should be champion or have uh, gotten the, her second reign uh, now. In, in a one-on-one match, that was the way to yeah. do it, in my opinion. Uh, there was—this is not something that happened on NXT, but this was a promo that ran, and this really stood out to me. and made me feel good because it said that if I tune into Raw— on Monday night, I'm going to see the Street Profits live, which meant if I don't turn in, tune in to USA in Raw on Monday nights, I won't have to see the Street Profits live, which is a great PSA. It's basically saying you don't have to see the Street Profits live all you have to do is not watch USA on Monday nights, which I found to be wonderful advice. And I took that advice, and I'm better for it. Uh, it it's some of the best thing, one of the best things we've done in our lives. It's like seeing your parents smoke pot. You see that, and you're like, well, I don't want to smoke pot now. That's really lame. I would never want to do what they did. It's a really, really good kind of PSA. Tell me what I'm going to see on Monday night. Not going to watch it. Um, there wasn't a lot more just to talk about with this, but I, I uh, 
Oh, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think of the Timothy Thatcher uh, little Oh, I uh, love vignettes? these. I love yeah. these. What I, what I love about these is this is a guy telling me why a half Boston crab will hurt me. Yeah. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want to bring some realism into this? I mean, I feel like this is all, you know, um, uh, this is this is that kind of this is that real presentation of the 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 NXT UK people, right? That really came in and we love to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I don't know anything about this person. I've only seen these vignettes a couple weeks in a row, and I love it. I want more of this. I want more of this realism. I want more of a sadistic son of a bitch. I thought that. Someone thought about all the stories of Stu Hart in the dungeon, just yeah. grabbing some green guy and going, "Well, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to hurt you this way, and then I'll have to move the arm this way, and people squealing. And I don't know if that's anything to do with it, but that's what it made me think of. And I don't know. I've never I been there. I didn't think of that. Uh, but but I, I've, heard, I've heard these stories from Jim Ross and Cornette and Bret Hart and, and Bruce Pritchard. You know, all these famous people yeah. in the business tell these stories about Stu. And I'm like, this, was, this is what this looks like. And I'm like, this is gold. This is selling a person as a sadistic bastard that wants to hurt people and knows how to do it. Yeah. That's... That's what that's a wrestler, and is pretty much telling you how he's going to do it. Yeah, it's that's that's what a professional wrestler is supposed to do, right? Yeah, it's supposed to hurt you. We're supposed to believe that what they do hurts. I've loved every second of that. Yeah, I I, I thought that was freaking great. Um, oh, question for you, question for you. Yeah, Dexter Loomis, is he the Demi Gorgon, <laughs> or or has one of the those? The adorable children from Stranger Things grown up and take on, taken up professional wrestling as a hobby. Because I know that show's been on for a long time. Some of those kids might be 20. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> which one is it? Because this is Stranger Things, right? I mean, this is what the music was for sure. The, the music and the Tron were complete ripoffs of Stranger Things. Yes. I mean, like, that that dude's got a look, man. And yeah. I'm not talking about his stare. I'm just saying he's got a freaking look. Oh yeah. As you mentioned with the with the carry and cross stuff, I'm like that guy's he's more big. impressive physically. Uh but yes, his stare, uh just the, the, the those cold blue eyes uh, obviously scares the shit out of Roderick Strong. But uh, did not watch that vignette by the way. I did not, no. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting character uh what i'm i'm going to go with it is the love child of uh hopper and the demigorgon uh that's what dexter loomis says i thought it also could be one of the russian soldiers because the russians are a big part of the of the uh stranger things universe and they tend to be very some of them very blonde and very aryan depending on you know (laughs) how they're presented. I mean, Dolph Lundgren, of course. Uh, I Dolph, don't believe, Ziggler. Dolph, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. I do not believe <laughs> ever been presented as Russian, but still. But still. Um, uh, yeah, this is the, the one thing about NXT, and I know we're talking about an episode from a couple weeks ago, but they pack a lot into a show. 
Yeah. A lot of segments, a lot of character motivation, a lot of new. I mean, even the stuff going on with, um, oh, what's, uh, I'm sorry, I have to go back to my notes for this. But even the stuff going on with uh, Dakota Kai and, um, what's her name? Last name's Gonzalez. Uh, the, 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 uh, Raquel. Raquel oh. Gonzalez, yes. Yeah. Even that stuff seems like it's progressing a storyline. I mean, I'm not a fan of Big Mommy Cool because <laughs> that doesn't sound cool in any way, shape, or form. But she's big and is able to put a have a presence in a ring and do some interesting stuff. I think I might have mentioned this last week, but Dakota Kai's finisher submission looks awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, she's like trapping both the arms, and and it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a reverse crippler crossface, I guess, because you're pulling the head forward while bracing and holding both the arms. Yeah, that's uh, uh, you know, kind of thing. Or uh, I'm sorry, a reverse um, rings of Saturn, I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because instead yeah. of pulling both the arms back, you're pulling the head forward and holding the arms back. Anyway, I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think that NXT does a good job of packing a lot into his show. Not all of it's great. Cameron Grimes, never laugh again on a promo. You're not Ted DiBiase. You sound like a moron. And 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 by the way, what did I say? What did I say many weeks ago? You've got the ha ha heels, right? Someone yeah. that says something, you go ha 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 ha. Don't ever be that. Yeah. Unless you're Ted DiBiase or who else, who else laughed well? Jimmy Hart. Maybe. I mean, he didn't fight, but he was a manager. He laughed very well. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart had a really, really good laugh. Yeah. There's only a few people that can do it, so let's do that. Stop. Don't don't be that. And also, don't be a you-know-what baby face. You know what I'm going to do? Well, you know what? Don't be those two things, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Rules to live by in life. Cameron Grimes also looks like a normal dude. And I know he was like running through talent like a buzzsaw for months and months and months. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw that guy at the gas station. Like he looks like he's 5'8 and 180 pounds. And he looks yet, like he works in the cellar of a brewery somewhere. Absolutely. Yes. The cellar. Not even a not even assistant brewer. He looks like a yeah. cellarman. <laughs> uh, but the, even the stuff with him and uh, and Damian Priest, I like it. I, I think that it's it's a it's it's a good storyline for a bunch of people that aren't in a title picture. And dude, Damian I, I appreciate Priest that. selling of his back through through that match. Yeah, he did a good job. Like I, even a- when he did hit the choke slam, he was like uh, he was down uh, after it, selling his back because it took everything out of him. Yeah, I, I give a lot of appreciation, and and I and I think I mentioned this the week before, but you know, Damian Priest, I had very little hope for when I first saw him, and I was like, oh, this guy looks kind of like an idiot, and he's shooting invisible arrows. I don't know if I've ever liked that. But I have an appreciation for a guy fighting through an injury and selling and really trying to get me behind him. I, I can I can dig that. Yeah. Um. So, do we want to do quick predictions for uh, Fighter Fest next week? I mean, I think we have to. Yeah. Uh, you got your your uh file up there i've got my computer open i I have a two screen experience tonight mike so i'm ready i'm ready to go 
All right. Uh, Lance Archer and Joey Janela. I mean, Lance Archer and Joey Janela has to be Lance Archer. If, if there yeah. is there is no just universe where Joey Janela beats Lance Ar- Lance Archer in a one on one fight. Yeah. No. Um, and you the, agree with me on that, right? I I definitely do. The six man tag of Colt Cabana and the Dark Order against SCU. I'm going to go with SCU on this. Uh, I think there's going to be some either miscommunication with Colt and the Dark Order or Colt's just going to end up losing and the Dark Order is going to reprimand him after the match for it. Uh, I disagree. I think we're going with Dark Order and Cabana. I think they go with the fact that that the Dark Order is... We still don't have Colt Cabana as a member of the Dark Order. So Mm -hmm. until we get to that point... The Dark Order continues to make his life better, and they've got creepers, and they've got all these other extra things. It's going to be a bunch of schmas and all this stuff, but they go over so that we can have Colt Cabana actually join or closer to joining this thing before it all blows up, and we have Colt versus Brody Lee. So I go Dark Order. You're okay. going SCU. Yeah. Uh, the eight-man tag... Uh, FTR and the Bucks against Butcher and the Blade and Lucha Bros. Uh, I, I think FTR, Young Bucks here. I, I mean, anything else would be foolish. I still have no idea why FTR is teaming up with the Bucks. I, when they first started pitching this, I was like, oh, or, or, or doing this. I'm like, oh, they're just trying to get in their heads. Yeah. Now it seems like they want to be bros. And I yeah. do not get this in any way, shape, or form. But yes, the FTR and the Bucks have to go over. Chris Jericho against Orange Cassidy. This is actually a this is tough. This could this could be a tough one because Orange Cassidy probably should win a match at some point, right? Yeah. And he's been beaten down. Now he got some. I can't remember the last episode of Dynamite. I feel like. Cassidy was bloodied, but he was the one that came out on top at the end of it. He was, yeah. And the inner circle is, they're just whipping boys. They just get their asses kicked over and over and over again, but they're no longer a focal point of the company at this point. So not like it was when Jericho was the champion. And by the way, why is he still calling himself that? He's not the champion at all. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say Orange Cassidy wins this. I I'm kind of leaning that way too. Okay, I was surprised by that. I thought you were going with Jericho. I, like Jericho, I don't think has any issue uh, losing this like to to Orange Cassidy, um, and it can just make it because his his character's even gotten like Jericho's has gotten sillier over the last few months. Very and, silly, and like, too much this, silly. A, a bit, yeah. And this, I think, will just feed into that more and allow him to be to have a tantrum afterwards or something like that. Okay. Um, Nyla Rose is taking on someone. We don't know who, but... They didn't even announce this, though, on the show. No. Uh, don't, but, don't even call this. There's yeah. no reason. Nyla, we, Nyla Rose would win this, whatever it is, yeah. if it happens. And then... The tag team title match, Kenny Omega, Adam Page against Private Party. I think we both kind of agree on this one of 
uh, champs retaining. Yeah, it just has to be. And that's why I don't like them just throwing this out. I don't almost rather something it's else. It's just going to be there for entertainment. It's not a a story purpose, really. But there, there's some other like feuds that are kind of brewing under the surface. I feel like they could have booked one of those. I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like this was, this is not a great, thing but yes i mean i think page and omega have to win this and i i really hope really hope that it is uh ftr that takes these titles off page and uh, and omega that's just me okay all right so that's our predictions for night two of fighter fest that uh do we have anything else or is that a wrap on uh this episode uh, I think that's it. I mean, you realize that the uh, the first night, obviously, we 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 did Moxley and um, Cage were supposed to fight on night one. I was no, they were supposed that. to fight on night two. Well, we predicted this. Oh, we did on last week. So at some point, it was booked oh. for night one. Really? Oh, okay. At some at some was, point, because was the tag title match on night two initially? No. I have the predictions that we had for for this show. Okay. And I've got us predicting Private Party winning, MJF and Wardlow, which we were both wrong on, uh, Sheeta winning, Cody winning, Omega Page, and Moxley and uh, Cage. Huh. And so both they, of us picking they were going to put all the title matches on night one. That's what I've got from last week, and I I, I don't know. But we did have that uh, for our first round of predictions. But I don't know. Uh, we also could have been wrong on that. Uh, but we, we the only thing we were wrong on was MJF and Wardlow. Okay. All right. Okay, so I think that wraps things up here for this episode. Uh, Thank you, everyone, once again for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about night two of Fighter Fest. In the meantime, check out our social media at Miss Spots on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, listen to the show on uh, whichever uh, outlet suits your needs, whether that be our website, MissSpotsPodcast.com or simply MissSpots.com, or any of the streaming services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or anything like that where you can download and listen to the show free of charge on the device of your choice. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.